Welcome to Sisterly, a podcast featuring conversations for and with badass and modern women. Hello, my lovely listeners. Welcome to another episode of Sisterly. This episode, I have to admit, I know I shouldn't have favorites, but I have a favorite. And this episode has got to be it. I get to unleash my incredibly nerdy brain on you today. And we are going to dive into stress. This will be one of many podcasts that we talk about with stress because there is just so much to learn. But this episode is going to be focused more on the neuroscience aspect of stress. So this is going to get deep and probably heavy and a little bulky. So I'm going to try to keep it light because I want you to be interested in this. (laughs) I want people to understand this is how my brain works. You know this from past episodes that I am a learner by nature. I enjoy ideas. I like to read books and then I digest them down and regurgitate them for you, um, hopefully in an easy to understand way. This topic is not easy and it is so heavy in understanding. So I'm going to do my best, but please stay with me. Please stay with me in the science Because I feel truly that when you know better, you do better. And understanding the science of our bodies is just a stepping stone to then understanding how we can start tackling these types of issues. So we know that stress is necessary, right? We need stress when we go to the gym and when we're lifting weights because that stress breaks down our muscle mass uh, or breaks down our muscle tissue and then it builds it back stronger, That is what our body needs. It needs stress to a certain extent so that it builds stronger. Okay. What happens when stress becomes unhealthy? There's a word out there called toxic stress. And I do believe that that's a real thing, but it's a real wishy-washy, kind of fuzzy, you can't really put your finger on it. I don't like stuff like that. And especially I don't like diagnoses like that. So... What happens when we start to feel like our stress is becoming unmanaged? The first sign is that we have symptoms. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in an emotional, mental health way. That is usually a good trigger, but not everybody adapts to stress in the same way. So we have to look for other signs and symptoms. So just that feeling of, Overwhelm, anxiety, depression, those are really good clues, obviously. Those are the big ones. But let's be more specific because this is a topic that is so widespread and it needs attention, especially in women and especially in moms. Why? Because hands down, and this is no offense to men, I'm not saying that there aren't men out there doing the grind and having stress in their lives. It is so true, but let's face it. This is a podcast for women, so let's focus on us, is that we make most of the decisions for the household concerning health, concerning the scheduling, plans, um, uh, most of the food decisions are made by the mothers and the women in the household. So we have a lot of plates up in the air. We juggle many balls. 
when stress becomes overwhelming and we feel that, your body is going to give you some clues. And here's why. So I want you to picture an RPM meter, the same one that's on your car. So when you rev up, it soars. There are times that if you rev up too many times, it goes into the red line, right? And we know that then your engine is going to overheat and your car starts to deteriorate. We are not like cars. This is just a very simple analogy. So let's say, let's take that same RPM meter. We are born with a certain genetic set point. We're born with it. We inherit the stress of our ancestors back what can be 14 generations. Now that hasn't been studied in humans, but it's been studied in many other species. And we can assume that the same can be true, is that when two cells come together, they have history with them. They have a built-in nervous system that has had experiences and that those two cells make a baby. And that baby is then imprinted with the stress of their parents, who had the stress of their parents and so on and so on. Okay, so we're born with a genetic set point for stress. Some just by nature can deal with stress better than others. Now let's rewind. What is stress? What is it fundamentally? Stress really is a response of our body. It is our body's ability to adapt to our environment, whether it is hostile or friendly. It is the back and forth between fight or flight of our nervous system and rest and digest. It is physical. It can be a repetitive stress. It can be injuries. It can be ergonomics and posture, joint motion, muscle movement, or it can be emotional, what we normally think of stress. It can be the anxiety you feel. It can be the bad feelings that you have. It can be the elation and gratitude that you have in your life. That's not usually stressful. That decreases your stress. Or it can be in the chemical way. It can be the foods that we eat, the toxins we expose ourselves to, the things that we drink, the, if you're a smoker, those types of things, the toxins we're involved with. So three ways that we experience stress are thoughts, traumas, toxins, physical, emotional, chemical. So if our bodies are constantly adapting, we have this genetic set point for stress, right? Think of our RPMs again. And we are met with a stress in our lifetime. And this happens not just as adults. This is happening from the moment we are conceived. We are marinating in our mother's nervous system while we're developing in the womb. We are gaining her information. So that is why a pregnancy that is fear-based can be so detrimental. We need to be at ease in our pregnancies so that that stress response doesn't stimulate in our babies. And then we're born. And we have the rest of development and the rest of our lives to see how we adapt to stress. So as stress comes to us, the way our bodies deal with it is that we are able to adapt or we absorb it. If we absorb it, then it's like a tick mark up on that RPM. 
that makes it less likely for you to adapt to future stress. So things that reduce stress are so important because as we're going through life and adapting, we're upping that RPM. And then we're met with another stress and we up it again. And then we're met with another stress and we up it again. And then all of a sudden we're redlining and we have anxiety and we're breaking out in hives and we have eczema and we have diabetes and we're starting to gain weight and we don't understand because we're exercising all the time. It is, you cannot adapt to stress that is in the red line. You have nowhere to go. You have no energy to give. So what happens next is you have to start looking at the way that you're managing your stress. And I really, really hate saying those words because stress management is not an option. It's not something like, okay, today I'm going to work on my stress or today I'm going to work on my self-care. Self-care, stress management, taking care of yourself is not an event. It's not on your to-do list. It is a belief system. It is a necessity of good health. Not just good health, but it's a necessity of life. So what is to be done? What is to be done when we feel like we're in the red line? If you have symptoms that are not emotional, and I'll give you an example, you guys, this is me, is when we were going through our family practice buyout I had, um, and you're going to understand this about me, that I like to dabble in many, many things. So I am in an adult dance class. Not like the sexy kind, but it's a lyrical dance class. I love ballet. Um, it was So we were buying the practice, and the contract terms were just getting crazier and crazier, and it was so stressful. And then I had my recital coming up, and so the practice was crazy. Um, And I get very stressed when I have to be on stage doing something that I'm totally out of my comfort zone. And then we had things going on with my kids in school. I was shuttling them back and forth. Max was starting soccer. It was insane. The schedule was insane. But I'm going to tell you right now, I never felt stressed. I never felt that sense of overwhelm, heart racing, can't handle this. Do you know what I felt? I had ulcers. I had the most intense stomach pain. I stopped eating for a while. So I don't feel emotionally stressed. My body physically tells me when I am stressed. And it's frustrating because if you're one of those people, let's say that your stress manifests in a totally different way, and you go to someone, let's say you go to your primary care provider, you go to an MD, you go to your counselor and you say, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm breaking out in hives or I have this eczema or I'm getting sick all the time. I have an autoimmune disease and I don't know how to manage it. And it's like, instead of looking at the RPMs, at the full picture of your life, it's like, Okay, well, let's just try this mix of things. Let's try a steroid. (laughs) Let's try a steroid cream for your eczema. And it's like, let's take a full picture of what the symptom is and what's really causing it. It is stress every single time. While we look at the physiology of what's happening when we're stressed, we have to dive just a little bit deeper 
So let's really, really dive into the neuroscience. You guys, if I've totally lost you and this is getting too heavy, like just come back to it and we'll be fine. (laughs) We learned in school that we have five senses, correct? We've got five senses, sight, smell, hearing, taste, touch. They lied to you. You were lied to. We don't have five senses. We have at least 10 senses. The five that we learn about, that is how we interact and understand the world that's happening outside of our bodies. What is happening out there? What's happening? Is it hot? Is it cold? Is it stressful? Should I be afraid? Do I know these people? Most of that stimulation comes from our eyes. And we know that when someone has lost their sight or was born without their sight, that the other senses have to compensate for that, right? There's a balance of the sensory information. That sensory information is traveled along our nerves, goes through our brain, our cerebellum, through the amygdala, which is our fear monger part of our brain. It understands our history and our most primal senses. Like if it's stressful, should I be afraid? And if it should be, if we should be afraid, that amygdala takes over and you go back into primal caveman, run away from the beast. But if not, then it goes to prefrontal cortex and then everything gets um, integrated and the prefrontal cortex decides what to do. Your brain sends a message back down to your body and says, lift your hand this way. Okay, so there's sensory information going up and then the brain sends a muscle motor response down back to the body so there's a feedback loop this constant stream of information it never stops that old adage that we use five percent of our brains or ten percent of our brains um, isn't true we use a hundred percent of our brains all of the time it's that we are only aware of five or ten percent our brains are dealing with stuff all the time it's just we're not aware of it because if we had to understand and focus every time we took a breath, every time we had to blink an eye, open a gland to sweat, um, increase blood flow. If we had to consciously do those things, we would be amoebas. We wouldn't be able to function because our brains have adapted so that it deals with most things autonomically, automatically, and we are only able to control a little bit. That's intelligent. Okay. Back to our senses. So now that we understand that there's a feedback loop and a compensation, those other senses, the other five that we don't learn about, that is how we interpret and understand our internal world, what's happening inside of us. Your gut, your microbiome is its own little system. And we know there's a connection between the gut and the brain because what happens when you get nervous? When you feel stressed, does your belly, especially if you have to talk in front of people or something like that, your your belly gets a little nervous. You get butterflies. You might have to pee a lot or you vomit. That is its own sensory system. Your immune system. When you have a really bad cold or the flu, your whole body aches. Your muscles and joints get achy. So it's its own sensory system. Your joint motion, muscle movement is called proprioception. That is its own sensory system. The way you move your body is so important because it's its own system. It's feeding information to the brain on where all of your joints and limbs are in space. Balance, 
vestibular, how you catch yourself on the horizon and how you stay upright and where you where your balance is in space. That is its own sensory system. All of your other viscera, your organs and those all they have their own systems that are constantly feeding back to the brain. Okay, now here's here's the kicker. Let's say you have arthritis. Your joint motion isn't what it used to be. Maybe you are sedentary. You don't exercise like you should. Um, We typically think of exercise as a weight loss mechanism. Movement is a sensory system. We talked about blindness before and how all the other senses have to compensate. What happens if you don't move your body the way you're supposed to? All the other senses have to compensate. What happens if your gut isn't happy? Maybe you have IBS or Crohn's or ulcerative colitis and your gut is in an unhappy state. What happens to the other senses? They all have to compensate. Do you see what I mean here? So stress is a dance. We are constantly in balance, out of balance, finding balance, teeter-tottering back and forth. And it's our ability to adapt that is the difference between stress that is healthful and stress that is toxic. So ways that, and I know you saw this coming, but ways to increase your neuroadaptability, your adaptability to stress, how you stress manage is sure, you should probably meditate. Yes, journaling is wonderful. Yes, deep breathing is going to help you very, very much. But you need to look at every single sense and find where your weakest sense is. What are the other senses balancing out? Perhaps it is your gut health. Find a naturopath, find a chiropractor, someone who can help you along the road to heal your gut. And that will balance your senses. Look at your movements. Do you sit for work? Do you travel a lot for work? Maybe you need to adapt your workspace so that you can move your body and increase your sense so that the other senses don't have to balance you out. So that is why my job as a chiropractor has become so important. And you guys, this is all evidence-based. What I'm talking to you about, this is science. It's either coming from a textbook or it's coming from NIH, um, which is our government entity that controls every, or not controls, but that um, publishes all of the research that's been being written. Um, so what do we, what is the moral of the story here? Is that when we talk about stress, we need to change the conversation and that yes, mental health is huge. And if you feel like you struggle in this, if you are already having symptoms, you are already unable to adapt to your environment. Your senses are already out of balance and you need to find someone who can help you along the road. Furthermore, stress isn't bad. It's not that we need to manage stress. It's not that we need to control it or eliminate it. That's not a thing. We can't eliminate it. It is in our lives. And stress is constantly being fed to our brains. If you feel like you are in need of assistance, there are people out there who are talking the talk. We need to look past the products that are being built 
for stress and for gut and understand that it is the full package. There isn't one drink that's going to heal your gut and you're going to remove your anxiety and all the things. Yes, that's helpful. But it is not a one-time thing. You can't do something for a month and expect your body to just be adaptable for the rest of it. Remember, this is a constant process in your body and in your brain. And so you need to be consistent and constant in your efforts. So with so much love and gratitude, let's focus on our final statements and our final thoughts, which is let's focus on gratitude. Let's think of three things, three things that we are grateful for today. They could be small. They could be life altering. Hold those things in your head, in your heart, and use those as power as you go through your day. Have a great one, guys.